The babies on the bus go wah, wah, wah. The mommies on the bus say shh, shh, shh. The daddies on the bus say I love you. This video, I kid you not, this video on YouTube has 5 billion, that's billion with a B, 5 billion views as of 4 years ago. At this point, YouTube has stopped keeping track. I mean, to be fair, it's a great song. Yep, it is. It's super catchy and addictive. But here's my problem with it. I fundamentally disagree with shushing children when they're already upset. Where did we learn that children need to be shushed, silenced, made invisible, inaudible and practically non-existent? Who taught us that it's okay to dismiss children, to avoid inconveniencing ourselves? Who taught us that it's enough to just meet their physical needs alone? And where did we learn that our kids must sing when we want them to, be quiet when we want them to, they must laugh when we tickle them and sleep when we don't, they must learn when we want them to and play when we want our space? Who taught us that parenting is more about the adult caregivers and less about the child? You want the boring answer? Everybody and nobody. I know, it is a simple but difficult truth. Can something be everybody and nobody's fault at the same time? Yes, and I have two words for that. Intergenerational trauma. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Wisdom Podcast where you will get bite-sized perspectives on your neurodivergent child. I know the ideas I'm presenting are not always easy to hear and accept. That said, I do applaud the courage, humility and love you have for your child in showing up and allowing me to plant all these seeds in your mind. So I'm your host Maggie and let's start digging. Okay, to shush or not to shush, that is the question. Clearly, today's episode is sponsored by the person who created that rhyme. And of course, a morbid Shakespeare. (laughs) As a species, we have always been wired for reproduction, but we are also heavily wired for connection and belonging. Belonging to a group meant following the rules of the group. Your lifestyle is practically dictated by the group. Rituals like rest on a certain day of the week, fast on other days of the week, eat a certain type of food, get a certain type of education, celebrate certain special days every year, you guessed it, in a certain way. I mean, of course you could always be a rebel and refuse, but that would mean you lose the security and connection that came with being in the group. And in our hunter-gatherer days, being exiled from the group would equal to death, thanks to all those predators. Now, in the 21st century, our predators all point to poor mental health. We need to belong, we need to feel safe, and so we conform. This is how the societal rules inform our decision making. When it comes to raising children, it is often said that it takes a village. At the same time, the way this village has and continues to see neurodivergent children is heartbreaking. 
So I understand as parents, I can see why you're trying to do everything in your power to make sure that your child fits in with the rest, talks like everyone else, behaves like everyone else, gets an education and does well like everyone else. It's your way of ensuring safety. Different is too scary. And being the same as everyone else, that's safe. I mean, it sounds ridiculous for me to blame you for intergenerational trauma. But I also cannot absolve you of your superhero responsibility towards changing the village's perception of your baby. We need that village to see our kids as different, nothing more and nothing less. But it starts with you. I am doing my part to make sure you first believe that and then together we can convince the village. Like I said, I do believe you're doing your best, but best can always be better. Don't get me wrong, better does not always mean more. When I say better, I mean efficient, neurodiverse parenting. And unfortunately, this village that we talked about has a mountain of expectations. Basically, parents shush your children and children, well, shush and be shushed. While your baby needs you to understand him or her, historically, that's not what the society has dictated. Having established that, let's see, where can we begin? Hmm, like everything else in life that needs a direction, so does your parenting. Would you say you've given that any thought? It's okay if you haven't yet. Allow me to rephrase. In your role as a parent, what is it that you hope to accomplish? I have two options I'd like you to consider. The way I see it, this is a red pill, blue pill situation. If you've seen The Matrix, then you know what I'm talking about. First, you want love and connection by nurturing your child, which is a love-based approach. And second, you want your child to be obedient, listen and do as you say, which is more of a fear-based approach. Now, here's the thing. You can't have it both ways. You can't have love and a real connection by making your child obey you. In fact, it has the exact opposite effect. That's the truth. And we know Gloria Steinem was right about the truth. It will set you free, but first, it will piss you off. If you're feeling pissed off or triggered in any way, I completely understand. It is a bitter pill to swallow. Especially if your parents expected you or still expect you to listen and obey whatever they say, then it is super hard. Let's take a deep breath before we continue. Now, if you belong strictly to the second category of extracting obedience, then our philosophies don't align. I imagine my ideas won't be of much use to you. However, if you recognize that, for whatever reason, a fear-based approach was the only way you knew how to parent and you are now looking to change your philosophy, then staying and listening on might be worth your time. If you're still here, then I am so proud of you. I am doing a little happy dance, imagining you choosing love and connection. Virtual high fives to you, my fellow generational trauma cycle breaker. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Fellow generational trauma cycle breaker, that's you. Seriously, the world is a kinder place because you are in it. 
Let's do the hokey pokey and turn ourselves around. That's what it's all about. Woohoo! Love and connection is the way to go. As you can see, I'm excited. This is single-handedly the best decision you ever made for yourself and your baby. All right, focus Maggie. How does love and connection relate to neurodiversity? So, our understanding of neurodiversity is constantly evolving. We now know that we must look beyond the brain connections to truly understand this magical world. And like I have established quite emphatically in the last episode that neurodivergent children are different. What I can be certain of is that their body is different, their needs are different, and therefore the way they play and interact with the environment and the people in it is different. How is their body different? Well, with emerging research, we know that it all boils down to safety. I'll leave the details for the next episode. But something in the environment feels life-threatening and their body is looking to keep them safe and it's all working on autopilot. So to an observer, sometimes this may look like no interaction or too much interaction, no movement or too much movement. That's why the word spectrum is used all the time because no two children present exactly the same way. In other words, what you find irritating, infuriating, embarrassing, plain stupid, or even breathtakingly and age inappropriately amazing is all part of armor that they are wearing to protect themselves from your expectations and in turn, the society's expectations. All these expectations, this mountain that we talked about earlier, is leaving them feeling defeated, inadequate, and just not good enough. They want, just like all other children, they want to be seen, heard, loved, and even celebrated by their parents for who they are, instead of being reminded every single moment that they are not neurotypical enough, not smart enough, or cute enough, not talking enough, or independent enough, or obedient enough. This is what it means to be respectful of your neurodivergent child. You need to see that all quote-unquote problem behavior is armor that they are wearing. And in your role as loving, nurturing parents, your only job would be then to disarm them. And to do that, you need curiosity. How can you disarm them? By approaching them with thoughtful questions. Lots of questions. What is your baby afraid of? How is this fear showing up every day? What are they overstimulated by? What do they need in this very moment? Under all these superficial defenses, who is your baby? Like really, what gifts do they have? How can you as the adult in the room help to disarm them of their defenses? And how can you do it right now while they're still young so that they don't grow up alarmed, anxious and needing to go to a therapist to do all that work by themselves? These are all questions, not statements or expectations, but questions arising from genuine curiosity, which only you can answer for your baby. Now, here's the thing. Curiosity and expectations are mutually exclusive. That means one can exist only in the absence of the other. Curiosity 
is also humbling because it first requires you to admit that you don't know and then you must want to know when you embody curiosity embody meaning every single cell in your body is lovingly curious here's the magic that happens the way that you talk to them the way that you talk about them to others the way that you walk towards them the way that you touch them when you pick them up the way that you behave around them changes and that right there is when magically the armor begins to fall off yes we're talking about your behavior for a change and not theirs now in addition to being curious there's one more thing you need it's the dreaded word patience oh i heard that grunt in your mind you've probably said this to yourself way more times than you can count i need to be more patient i need to be more patient why can't i just be more pleasing patient let's agree on this patience is hard it is so hard if it was easy then we would have solved i don't know climate change by now it is really hard to be patient patience is harder when you're given no explanation and just expected to be it that's why i'm not going to do that here i am not expecting you to blindly do as i say and be patient with your child neither will i shame you for not being able to do something that's genuinely hard to do and in turn i'm hoping you will also stop expecting your neurodivergent child to blindly do as you'd like them to on the contrary i'm going to help you understand your neurodivergent child's body so that you don't have to work hard at being patient and then feel like a failure when it's impossible to do so but all that and more in the next episode until then we'll start with a small exercise i want you to say three sentences a mantra of sorts every time you feel overwhelmed about your child one this is not my fault two i am my baby's superhero and three my baby needs me to understand him or her this is not my fault i am my baby's superhero my baby needs me to understand him or her say this to yourself as often as you need it until you start believing it now as you can probably tell the messaging that i want to put out is mommies and daddies say i feel you what do you need or how can i help the mommies and daddies say i'm here for you all through the town <laughs> excuse my singing voice but thank you so much for tuning in let's quickly recap intergenerational trauma is not your fault and in choosing to break out of it you are a superhero for your baby that involves pushing away expectations to be a quote unquote good parent and in doing so relieving your baby of all that pressure to be quote unquote good one way to ensure these expectations never make their way back into your mind is to immediately replace them with positive and empowering ones instead of leaving a vacuum in your mind i have some examples that you might want to consider or you can come up with your own one I want my baby to be the best version of themselves. 2. I want my baby to experience the joy of loving me and feeling loved by me in equal measure. 3. 
I want my baby to find and use her gifts in a way that's fulfilling and meaningful, not just for herself, but also for the community at large. These are just examples, but with that, I know time is a precious resource for parents. So thank you again for becoming the superhero your baby needs you to be. I really hope you will water these seeds that I'm planting in your mind because I'm genuinely rooting for you. Pun intended. Wink, wink. <laughs> if you found this episode meaningful, can you do me a favor and please follow my page on Instagram? You will find it at VYSDYM, wisdom underscore, VYSDYM underscore. It's the only way we can stay in touch for now. Comment and let me know what you liked about this episode. If there's something you think that I should do more of or less of, I would love to hear from you. That's all for now, my hardworking superheroes. I will see you in the next episode.